everyone, welcome back to Sprouting Minds. This week we welcome Megan Sharp onto the podcast. Megan and I talk about her journey leaving her 9 to 5 job, which she did enjoy, to fulfill her passion, working with people living with intellectual and physical disabilities. She created this Ability Recreation based in Colorado. We talk about her older sister, Jessie, who has Angelman Syndrome and how that relationship highly influenced her path in life. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. My dog is here and he already climbed into my lap literally right before you came on. So I'm hoping he's done and he's going to stay laying there for now, but you never know. I have, well, then I will give you the same warning. I have a dog and two cats around. They all seem very chill, but they love to surprise you out of nowhere and climb all over the keyboard. So we will see. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, at least we're in the same boat, you know, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Awesome. How, how are you? How's Colorado? It's good. It's starting to get to be that season. It's getting a little bit colder. Um, Gonna, it, we've had a snow day, one snow day so far, uh, which is good because I like to snowboard and my husband likes to ski. So um, even though it's not fun to like drive around in this weather, we get to at least go out to the mountains and do that. So how is it in New York? It's been really hot, which isn't great oh. because of global warming. Yeah, <laughs> But I mean, it's actually been really nice. I've been able to take the dog out. So I mean, I should complain, but I really can't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Warm in New York in November. A little concerning, but I understand it can still feel kind of good for you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that you're a busy woman, so I don't want to keep you for the whole day, though I'm sure we could find a million things right. to talk about. Good. <laughs> um, so I kind of wanted to take it back to you as a young, young child, because we spoke a little while ago and you have an older sister, Jessie. Yes. And yep. Jessie is living with Angelman syndrome. Correct. And so I'm sure a lot of people don't know anything about this syndrome. Yeah, um, right. I only heard about it, I think this past year or last year. So it's yeah. not very common, unfortunately. Very I mean, common. fortunately, it's not very common, but it's not. The knowledge yes. about it is not very common, which yeah. isn't fortunate. So talk to me about growing up with a sister who's living with that. Yeah. So for starters, just because like you said, it is pretty, it's rare. It's um, this, I don't, I have a number in my head of like, it's one in 20,000 people are born with Angelman syndrome. I looked that up a long time ago. So that may be, you know, not still correct, but it's, it is very rare. Um, so a lot of people don't know about it. Um, so it's a genetic condition. It, you know, Jesse was born with Angelman syndrome and um, it, of course, with any disability, it looks different on everyone. Um, and, but I mean, the main things is um, it's an intellectual disability and her, she has a very severe intellectual disability. And then um, she has seizures and she has trouble walking, like balance issues. So she needs assistance with walking. And then one of the biggest things with Angelman syndrome is that no, no one with Angelman syndrome can actually speak, can talk. Some of them, um, some people are able to learn, you know, their own forms of communication, sign language, or what talking devices, whatever that looks like for them. But for Jesse, 
since her intellectual disability is so severe, she wasn't able really to learn that kind of stuff either. Um, but yeah, I will say like growing up with Jessie, she um, is six years older than me. She's 33 right now. Um, but when we were kids growing up, we shared a room together when we were young. And um, I noted like you, I learned right away that she can communicate certain things like her ability to love people, which is really special. And because she just, she will hug and she will hug you really tight. She is so strong. I don't know how it's, maybe she's like secretly lifting weights or something, but she is so strong. So she'll hug you. She laughs all the time. She smiles all the time. So like, even though she can't talk, she does like show you that she loves you and you're, and she's happy when you enter a room and stuff like that. And just seeing her be happy in general is really, obviously really good. And um, it's actually very common for people with this, uh, with Angelman syndrome to laugh and smile all the time. And I think that's really special because, you know, when I look at her life in comparison to mine and what I can do that maybe like she can't go do independently, she kind of has a lot less than I do. Um, And so that's something I'm very grateful for, um, for me. But she still finds a way to just be so happy all the time. So, um, yeah, I'd say to like Jesse, she, there's a few like big things that I've learned over time from her that, um, I still try to have like on my mind, like as a reminder today. And I think it's cool that my sister who's older and can't speak has taught me these things. But I mean, number one, I've just learned that being able-bodied is a huge privilege. It's of course easy to take for granted. And I understand um, when people do, like you just, you think that being able to control my arms in this way and my legs and getting up to walk and go grab a coffee, like that seems so, it was given to me, but like I, you know, I, it's actually very lucky that I'm able to do that. So it's a motivation for me to get out and try to attempt to experience the world. I, because of that, like I grew up playing sports and, um, then like I've learned how to snowboard and I surf. I wasn't very good at surfing, but I tried and it was fun. Um, so yeah, she taught me that and, and to just take care of my body. I mean, like I go to the gym five days a week and I do weightlifting, which is kind of fun, but also just like, I don't know, I, you never know when it could change either. Like I have this body. I'm very privileged to be able to move about my day and like do what I want to do. But that may not always be the case, whether that's when you're older or something happens. Like, I don't know. I know it could be a dark way of thinking about it, but it's also a reality. So um, she taught me that. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I just remember growing up with her and her being my absolute best friend. She is so sweet, so fun to be around the most kind, pure heart that I personally have ever met. Um, And she came to every single one of my sports games with my parents. And it's like I said, I told you earlier, she laughs a lot. Um, So I would be up at the batting plate and I would just hear this laughter coming from the, from the bleachers. And it was the same laugh that like I would fall asleep to at night because then we'd go home and share a room. So just having her around all the time really incredible. So now I live in Colorado 
and she's in Nebraska. Um, that is the hardest part for me about being in Colorado, just because she, since she can't talk, she, um, you know, we don't really get to interact. I mean, I'll FaceTime my mom and like talk to her. Um, but she doesn't fully understand like what's going on. She's in the phone, but she's not actually here, but I hear her. Yeah. So that's a little confusing for her, but, um, so yeah, that's, we're still best friends, but we only see each other when I go home to Nebraska or if they come out here. Um, and then maybe someday my parents are gonna, they talk about it, get a place out here. And that would be lovely because We've also talked about, you know, you have to, when you have a sibling with a disability, especially um, like this, where they need 24 seven care, it's a horrible thought to ever have to think about. But like when my parents are gone, what is that going to look like? There has to be a contingency plan in place. Um, and so we've already had that conversation and I will be her like full le legal guardian. So someday she will be out in Colorado, no matter what with me. Obviously, hopefully that's so far away because that means my parents. Yeah. yeah. So we'll stop right there. But um, <laughs> so, yeah, she's just important to me. I mean, the most important th person in my life. And um, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> anything else specifically you are curious about or? No, I you know, I had a mom on who has two daughters and the second daughter was born with Down syndrome. And we were talking about the expectation that she had when she was pregnant with her second child and how the siblings would have the same sort of relationship that she had with her older sister. And then the daughter was born, was diagnosed with Down syndrome, and she realized that she had to tweak her expectation of what the children are going to grow up as and she and it always sticks with me but she was saying how lucky the older sister is to have a sibling that is living with something and has to overcome challenges and it's kind of like we don't realize how much the other sibling is learning and so how much you're learning from your sister and the little ways that she's communicating that maybe someone on the outside doesn't see and doesn't recognize but you have a strong bond and you know it it's all about the perspective and as you said we're able-bodied and yep. that can change in a in an instance we don't we don't have control over the world and so always taking time to realize what we have and living the life that you can which is important you know I think that's what what your sister wants you to do exactly yes well, I love how she phrased that. And it's interesting from a mother's perspective on the same thing. But I completely agree as the sibling in that scenario of I have, like I already started to say, but I've learned so much from her that I feel I truly apply to my life. Um, and that includes just being like inclusive of other people. I did it. I mean, all the way from when I was young and or like in high school, I would go to like the special needs classroom, of course, to visit her. But then also like I interacted with everyone in the classroom and it was so many amazing people over there that I don't know that I would have ever met. I don't know. I don't know if I would have met these people if it weren't for my sister. And um, then I started doing volunteer work like at the Miss Amazing pageant in high school, which was like um, 
people with special needs come and they have a talent show and a um, they do a dress and a crown and all that and they go and show their outfit. And I did that. And that is one of my favorite memories from high school. And the I was like a one-on-one buddy with a young woman and she, it was, I, I don't know. I just don't know that I would have, I like to think that like maybe, because I just love doing this type of work so much, but I, it has to stem from, I've always been so um, in that world. And um, I also think like, I've seen it from time to time. Like when I have friends over and they meet Jesse for the first time, like, you always wonder, I tell them about her, of course, um, but like how they're gonna interact with her. Like, and that's so understandable for people who do not know how, you know, they're not in that world at all. And they've never met people with disabilities. They may not know how to interact, but um, I just, you know, I've learned that from Jesse, even though she can't talk and she doesn't really even understand, like what I'm saying, any person I see, first of all, disabilities can be invisible, meaning you never know. You could see someone and think something, or you could see someone and think they're very neurotypical, but you you don't know. So like never assume a disability on someone. That's my first thing that I've always done. And then second is always talk to directly to a person. Like they are a human being. <laughs> Sorry, I feel like I'm getting on a rant, but, no, but I, it's true. It's true. <laughs> Carry on. <laughs> It is. It's just, I think even if they don't um, respond or maybe they can't, then somebody else who's with them could jump in and say, oh yeah, like whatever and interact however they usually interact. But if they were to be understanding and competent and you looked at someone else instead of at them to talk about them, it just would come off as very, that would be so sad for the person. Um, So yeah, those are all things that I learned from her and I'm very, very thankful for. Um, And then, yeah, obviously, like, you know, now I'm working in that field. And so it kind of has put me on a path of like, I think what I kind of want to do and the type of work I want to do forever. So yeah, yeah, very grateful. Which is a great segue because you were working a full-time nine to five job and then you switched. Yes. So right. How did, how did you make that change? Because I think that it having Jesse obviously highly influenced what you're doing, but it takes so much courage to leave a steady nine to five job to start something new. So tell me, tell me about that little process. Yeah, for sure. So for starters, I want to say like the nine to five that I was at, it was, um, it's here in Denver. And it's called a PASA, which is a Personal Assistance Service Association. So what I was doing was like, I was a intellectual and developmental disability service coordinator. I was doing a lot of like behind the scenes paperwork type of stuff. So um, still kind of in this field and had clients that I got to interact with, but it was just through um, Zoom. And anytime I met with them, it was to check off things on a checklist really and like answer questions and that kind of stuff. So this company I loved. I loved my supervisor. I liked my coworkers. I was in a very, I do want to say good place. I just at that point realized I missed the one-on-one. And I really missed what I loved about working in this field for me specifically was getting that interaction and hanging out and friendship and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. I decided I didn't want to do the office thing forever. Um, I also, 
am very antsy a little bit, <laughs> so just for a minor detail, but like sitting in an office, I would have to get up and like walk around randomly because I just found myself getting, I don't know, I felt cooped up. So I wanted to do something different. I already had the idea of disability recreation. I sparked the idea when I was still living in California. So before I moved here. Um, so I knew I wanted to do it. I didn't know exactly how I was going to, but I was working the full-time job. It was 40 hours a week. And I just decided I'm just going to start. I'm just going to see what happens. I reached out to people on a care.com platform. And if you've heard of that, it's like a, and I specifically searched for people looking for work or, or people who have special needs children. Um, and I said, Hey, here's what I want to do. And I said, I would like to work with people specifically doing recreation. My whole thing is going to be about fun. You can have other caregivers who are there more full time or, you know, do the tutoring, whatever you want. But I, when I come, we're going to go have fun and get out of the home and like go do things. So I told people that and just said, I would like to make it into a business. We'll see what happens. And people, I mean, the first couple, it happened to be moms who I was interacting with were right away. Just absolutely. I'm on board. Just come over, do something fun. Like that would be amazing. So I got good feedback right away. So then I was doing it just part-time. I was like scheduled a couple sessions each week that were in the evenings or on the weekends. And then I scheduled a couple more and a couple more. And then all of a sudden I was working a lot, many more hours than I personally, some people can do that. And that's amazing. <laughs> good. Like they are incredible. I don't get it. Cause I was like getting headaches by Sunday night. Like I physically can't work that many hours. I have to have my, my breaks. I've just learned that about myself. So, um, so yeah, it got to be a bit too much to be doing it. Um, while also doing the 40 hours a week. Like I said, the company I worked for was so nice that they let me cut back. I told them about what I was doing eventually once I had a couple of clients. And at this time I only had two, but I was seeing one of them three times a week, another one once. And I said, hey, this is what I'm doing. Um, and of course they wanted to keep me for a while just cause it's nice to not just like have me quit and they have to find someone like, um, so they agreed to do like a part-time thing, which was so nice of them. Cause then I was able to like, I would go to my office job in the morning and then leave at 1 PM and go see a client in the afternoon, which was just amazing. Um, and then I got one more client and then one more. So then I had four clients and I was like, you know, I, and now it's actually like, um, the beginning of this year, I'm trying to put it all together, 2022. And that was when I was like, I think I could do this. I think I could get enough hours and do this full time. And this is what makes me happy. Like when I'm at the office, that it's fine because I like the place I'm working, but I'm not like having a blast. I don't know. It's just it's work. Fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fulfilling. Exactly. Thank you. Um, but then I would go to my clients and I would just leave like feeling like all giddy and happy. And my, I, and I'm so thankful too, because the clients who I happened to get these first relationships with are just amazing. And they're so fun to be around amazing people, good friends. Like that's the, uh, I, uh, maybe I'll come back to that later, but like people I've noticed who have disabilities. Um, I mean, the ones that I know are make some of the best friends. They just show you that they care. I mean, I've, 
still have friends from California reaching out to me, wanting to call and FaceTime and let me know that they miss me, that kind of stuff. They just make incredible friends. But um, anyway, so I decided I am going to leave the full-time job. And that was kind of like you were saying, it was, it was very scary. <laughs> I didn't know, like, I don't know. I even had some people in my life telling me, oh, well, maybe you should wait for this or wait till summer because it's cold in the winter because it was the beginning of January. And um, I actually saw it as the exact opposite. Um, I want to, I saw it as if I, it, because COVID also got bad again, like beginning of this year, that was actually the first time I had it. It was going around. And so it was like, is now, a no, is now the right time to do this? And, you know, they always say there is no right time for something big like this. And so I thought of it as kind of the exact opposite of here's the thing. If I quit now, when it's cold outside, because most of the activities we love to do are outdoors. So it's definitely harder to find stuff inside. And then it's also COVID. So some places are closed or we need a social distance or we need to wear masks or whatever it is. Um, it was a big challenge. And I thought if I could quit now, and make it work through the winter, then I'm going to be set up for summer. And it's going to be like a piece of cake at that point. And maybe that's not the best way. To <laughs> it could have gone bad and it maybe not worked at all. And I'd be back at a different job. Who knows? But um, it did work. It did because it forced me to find indoor activities. So now I, I did it that way. And I've been doing so uh, all of 2022, I've been working just at disability recreation. I now have still very small. I have six clients that I see every week. And again, like one of them I see three times, a couple I see twice. So it kind of fills my schedule pretty well. And we had an incredible summer of kayaking and paddleboarding and go-karting outdoors and a lot of accessible hiking trails, bike riding. A couple of my clients have like their own adaptive bike. We do bike riding. We've gone to museums. Um, but now we're heading into winter again, and I'm not as scared as I was last year because I have all those ideas that we did last year. We have, again, museums, indoor trampoline parks, there's indoor go-karting, there's um, places that have like these roller coaster simulators. So you can go and just like, yeah, there's like a screen and it moves you around and wind blowing in your hair and stuff. So anyway, oh, and we do a lot of swimming, which can obviously be done indoors or outdoors, but I tend to swim like three days a week. It seems like that's a favorite of people. Um, that was terrifying, but I'm very, very happy that I did it the way that I did. Um, there was, you know, it for me, the hardest part has always been about um, doing the starting a business. Like I never thought I would be doing that. <laughs> like I didn't go to business school. I'm just like, I don't know. I never thought I would do that. Um, but the activity part, meeting with the clients, that is makes me very happy. And it's the most natural thing for me. So that part was very easy. It was just like figuring out some behind the scenes stuff like insurance and, you know, taxes. How do you do taxes on it? creating the LLC, like that kind of stuff. So um, qu quitting my nine to five made it more possible for me to accomplish some of those things that were kind of on a list that weren't complete. Um, so I was able to do those, get a couple more clients. And now I've just kind of been roll in with the clients that I have. We have really awesome relationships uh, and with their families too. Um, I think something that I love about it is 
the most important thing to me is my clients. But then I also do like the being able to like help the families in a way because I am, you know, I was on the other end before I still am of like seeing people come and pick up my sister and take her to go places and do things and how much that meant to me um, growing up. And especially when I had that, like there's a very specific caregiver she had named Lucia, who still to this day was just, you could just tell how much she cared and how present she was when she was with Jesse and how she loved being with Jesse. It wasn't just a job for her. And so that's what I want to provide. I want to provide that also to the families so that they can have comfort. They can have respite, right? Like when I come, I'm going to pick them up and take them out, take this person out and do an activity. And they also get their kind of break that is also needed for them. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> what I love is that it's also connecting, right? All That's all I'm sure the parents want. And these, these people want is just the connection. And I think a lot of people don't realize that people living with disabilities sometimes have PT, OT, all these other services. And those therapists care so, so, so much about the, the person too, yeah. but you're connecting on a whole different level of, yeah, you can get those therapeutic things with the, those therapists, but I'm going to take you out and we're just going to have fun. I'm just going to be your friend, which is just, <laughs> I mean, every parent's dream and every yeah. person's dream, like who doesn't want someone that's giving them undivided attention right? and wants to be there, right? Like you're not doing this because you're being paid to. I mean, you're doing it because you want to genuinely connect with these people. And the parents must also feel so safe, like having someone come and take care of their child so that they don't need to worry. And they know yeah. that their child is having a great time. And and also like the swimming is probably so good for their bodies. Yeah, and it every, is. I, it's just, it's, it's so beautiful. And I mean, good for you for leaving your job even though you loved it and yep. finding something that fulfills this like need of yours. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just love everything you said cuz that's exactly <laughs> how <laughs> that's exactly how I see it. I have even struggled recently um with like a couple people here and there who have like heard about what I do and they say oh that's so amazing but you should really go back to school and get your recreational therapy I don't know, like a recreational therapy degree. Now, I will say that is phenomenal for anyone who's interested in doing this type of work and you're like, haven't gone to school yet, like, or you want to go back, whatever. That is the perfect. I wish I knew about recreational therapy as a degree when I was 18 years old. I did not. I didn't. I, you know, I was 18. I didn't know what I wanted to do. This was more of a passion to me. At that time, I didn't even think of my passions as, which sounds silly now, but passions as potential job opportunities. I thought, you know, I had to choose something that like, I don't know, it's going to be a job. So I went into advertising. That's what I studied and graduated with. And right after college realized, wow, this is not going to be, I could do it. Like I learned about it and I could find a job, but I don't think I'm going to be like super happy. I don't know. And so anyway, when people say that, I'm kind of like, well, I don't want, but I don't want to be a therapist. Like that is, there are therapists already. A lot of the people I work with have therapists in their life of different forms, like you said, PT, OT, um, even behavioral, like that type of stuff. 
so, so needed. And I am grateful for those people. And sometimes I even interact with those therapists, you know, because just to have like a cohesive team of like, how are we supporting someone in the best way? But I don't, that's not my main intention. And I'm so glad you said that. I love it when people see that because it, I am trying to stay in this lane of I am your friend. I want to be your friend. And you mentioned the money. I wish I could do this full time and not get paid. Like if they could, if I could just go over and hang out and we go do fun things together, that's wonderful. But then I wouldn't have a house like <laughs> or an apartment. Like I, it's not possible at all. So I of course have to charge, but um, yeah, it really is just what I want to be doing. And I don't want, I've had jobs in the past when I was in California where I was specifically like my title was a special needs mentor. I was a special needs teacher for a little bit, um, like in a, at a preschool and that was all great. And I loved it. I really did. But I just with specifically what I'm doing, since it's recreation, I want to stick to fun and friendship. And we don't, when I come over, I want them to be happy and excited, which a lot of times they are for their other therapists too, because they love them. But um, I, yeah, I'm just glad you said that it, for me, the focus is let's go have a good time. So. And I think that it's also, people need to take into consideration your background and your experiences. Yeah. And like, this isn't something that you woke up one day and was like, oh, I'm just going to go into this field. Like, you know what you're doing. You understand that some some people have physical limitations, some have intellectual limitations. And so you take that into consideration. And one thing that you do with one person is not going to necessarily do, be the same thing that you do with someone else. Like you're you're doing a really catered experience for these people and enjoying time with them. And if they want a recreational therapist who went to school for it, Absolutely. there are people there. But that's Absolutely. not what you're in there for. Yes. So I, th I think that's something to really consider. And I also agree about the when we're younger, we go to school and we don't realize that our hobbies can be professions because we're not really taught that. I think something needs to change there. Or even just like, first of all, yeah, your passions, your hobbies should totally be, totally be taken into consideration for what you're going to do forever. Like, I think no one, the bet, I think you're going to get the best performance out of people if they're doing something that they love. Like, um, I even, you know, I talked about this concept with one of the moms at um, a birthday party recently, like last week, actually. And she told me, because I was telling her the same thing of someone told me I should go back and get my recreational therapy. And she said, no, 10 times out of 10, I would choose someone who shows that they just really care and they want to do this and they have the passion. So this is, this is for anybody. This is if I do decide to hire people down the road, which, you know, I've kind of been back and forth on of like, I could keep this small and do my own thing for, with my main core clients for a long time and be really happy. Um, I could also maybe expand and reach more people, which would be incredible. Um, and if that day came, I totally would take experience into when people apply to this type of position, it doesn't, they don't have to have a degree. They don't have to have a specific degree. It's about why do you want this job? Why do you want to do this type of work? That's kind of what I think really matters. And um, yeah, I got a little <laughs> off track. <laughs> okay. 
it's okay. It's early-ish there. Don't, don't worry. It's early-ish. What time? 1030. <laughs> yeah. I, I think about like when I was younger and the things that I loved doing, and then I went into teaching and I did enjoy it. I loved it, but it didn't fulfill me. And we're young. We're supposed to do the things that fulfill us. And, you know, you loved your other job, but it just, it didn't hit the spot that you needed to hit. And now you're connecting with these families and it can stay small. And also like this kind of experience is word of mouth also, right? So you have this one family who's like, oh my gosh, Megan's taking this child out and they're having a blast and they're connecting and they talk to their community and then it's more and more, you know, it can be huge or it can be small how you want, you know, like there's so many opportunities now for you with this. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when I've had people reach out saying they would like, and I've had a number of people reach out saying they would like to work with me and do this type of work, um, you know, that would change my job a lot. You know, if I'm now going to have employees and type of stuff, like I may not be doing that one-on-one interaction that I literally quit my old job (laughs) and started this whole thing so that I can do that. So it's, yeah, that's where it, but then I'm also like, you know, reaching more people, helping more people like that's the dream too. Um, so maybe there's a way where it's more, I do my own thing and I have my little small business, but anyone who's truly interested in this type of work, reach out to me and I will tell you how I did it. I will tell you from beginning, like the little, I have a notebook of everything I've done so far of how to at least, like, if you're in a different area, if you're in a different state and you want to do something like this, I'm no expert. I tried to just figure it out and I did. (laughs) And um, I would happily tell someone how to kind of set up a similar thing um, where they're at so that they could still reach people. And then I'm still, you know, we're reaching more people, but I'm also have my clients and I get to see them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's a testament to you also is like, as much as you love this, you're also aware that you can't travel to like New York and do this, right? You're in Colorado. So that's where you are. But if someone in New York or, you know, California or wherever, if they want to do this and they have the passion, it's possible. And there's so many people who just need connection. Like that's, that's what you're providing is just human connection and fun. And it's, everyone needs it. And especially people living with a disability who, you know, parents want their child to always feel, you know, like they're being seen and heard. And everyone is communicating in a different way too. Like even your sister, Jessie, maybe she can't verbalize what she's feeling, but her laughing is a communication. It is, absolutely. So, you know, it's, it's just, it's important. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to see where it goes Mm -hmm. and what you do with it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I know I, um, my thing is too, like, if I said, if anyone is interested, I don't even care if it's in Colorado or near me and they want to do this. Like I am in no way think that this type of thing should be about competitors or competition. Like if someone else wants to do this, I will tell you how to do it. Like, because I just think when it comes to this type of service and working with these people, sorry, my cat. I know I'm looking away. My cat and dog are all together and I'm waiting for a little. <laughs> That's okay. Milo keeps snoring. So I keep like pushing. <laughs> I'm like, 
they're about to go at each other. But anyway, um, I just, the more services like this or any services for people with disabilities are just needed. Um, and the other thing that's really hard that I've noticed is that um, the field of just like kind of working with people with disabilities pays pretty low. And that's challenging for the families because, I mean, because like a people with disabilities can be like on a waiver in the state. And so then they, the waiver money goes through like an agency and then it pays the employees. So it's kind of like the families aren't always choosing how much a caregiver is going to make. Um, and so it pays pretty low, but like sometimes, especially if someone who has a developmental disability and it's also physical, like it, it's a, it can be hard work, like for sure, even though it's fun and you get to like interact with people, it's also hard work. And so that's the other thing with like, if I were to hire people, um, I really would want them to pay, get paid what I think they deserve, but then the, you know, rate at which I would need to charge. So anyway, that's where it's all at right now in my head, it's going, um, million miles per hour, but, um, I don't know. I, I will say though, I am just very happy with where I am right now. Um, I think I could do what I'm doing right now for a really, really long time and be happy. And that's the other thing that I love is I'm hoping to have this relationship with the clients that I have for like, you know, a long, long time forever is the dream. And um, because when I worked in uh, California and I was like a special education teacher at a preschool, it was wonderful. And I built these great connections for a year. And I'm sure so many teachers struggle with this, but oh yeah, you were teaching. And then I'm like, yay, like this has been so great. We built this awesome relationship. All right, see ya. We're sending you off to the next teacher. And then I get new, a whole new class and they're just as phenomenal. Like it's how it goes. But I, I build, I think strong connections with people. So it's kind of hard for me to just like say, see ya. And, um, let another teacher or, you know, let them, they move on. And that's so great. And they flourish, of course, but um, I'm happy that with what I'm doing, I get to see them year after year after year. Um, I also only usually see my clients one to like three times a week. Um, and they have, you know, other caregivers in place for when they're like at home and they need just like a daily living assistance type stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah. It's just, it's amazing. And I, I, there, there's so many people living with some kind of disability and it's so needed just human connection to make the world just a better inclusive place is just so important. And I think what you're doing is incredible. And I, I, I wonder if it would come about if Jesse wasn't in your life, but you know, thank God she is right. I mean, perspective is all about how people in our life are influencing us and it definitely seems like Jesse's a big influence and amazing to see what you're doing for not just yourself because when you talk about it like clearly you light up and this is not just like something you're doing just to do like this is so important to you and it's so important to the families and the people that you're working with so it's just good for you for taking that leap (laughs) yeah well thank you I am I encourage people all the time. I just, if 
you're especially like I at least kind of liked my job, but I had been in a job before in California where wasn't as a different one that I haven't even mentioned for those reasons, but did not like, did not make me happy at all. And that was a very tough time in my life when um, I also wasn't getting paid much and California is expensive and I was barely making ends meet doing something I didn't love. That was hard to do. And so I just fully support anybody who is um, figure it out, figure out what it is that you want to do at least, you know, like think, I mean, that's easier said than done, of course, but think about those things that you love. And um, yeah, I want to also acknowledge that like I had some privilege. There's privilege in that statement because I have, I'm married and um, my husband, well, I guess we were still fiancés when I quit, but he's, first of all, so supportive, supportive of me, this idea, everything from beginning to end, he encourages me. So that already very helpful. Um, but also he has a full-time job too. So like, I want to acknowledge that when I was able to quit at the beginning of this year with just a few clients on board, that would have been harder if, you know, I didn't have his support um, and, you know, our money together, we were still be able to pay our rent. But someone who um, doesn't have that or, you know, is a parent and they have all these other expenses. I want to acknowledge that it can be harder than the situation I was in, for sure. Um, however, I still totally encourage doing something you love because I remember that one job that I have, like it would be even Saturday night and I would be like tomorrow, Sunday, which is the day before Monday, like, <laughs> oh goodness, I have to go back to work. And then Saturday was my only even remotely day off and it was already and my Sundays were kind of ruined because I was like, oh, gosh, I, have to, I was really upset about having to go to work. Now, I just don't think about that at all. It's Monday morning. On a Monday morning, I'm happy. I'm just like, oh, I get it. Here's who I get to go see today. We're going to go swimming with one person. I'm going swimming. And then this, I'll eat my lunch. And then this afternoon, I'll go to the zoo with my other friend. And so it's like, I'm very, very happy now. So um, what I'm doing isn't necessarily everyone's dream, but I encourage people to find what that is for them because it feels, it feels good. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it's important. Like, as you said, I have a big support system too, and I'm privileged enough that I was able to leave my teaching job that gave me yeah. a, you know, steady income. I mean, granted being a teacher didn't pay much anyway, but it still brought in some that steady income. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, you know, thank goodness I have a family that supports me. Because it is hard and it is scary. And it, you know, if you don't have all those privileges, find a support system that's helpful and talk to people. Like, really try if you're unhappy with something, like, you can make a change. It might be hard, it might be scary, but there are people there that can support you yes. and help you because it's, yes. we have one life to live. And it's not, you know, you don't want to work in a job that you dread over the weekend. Like, the weekend is supposed to be our time to just. I know. enjoy and breathe and yeah right. I think that's important to say and hopefully other people are gonna yeah follow suit <laughs> yeah it it breaks my heart to think about people who don't have a support system meaning even just people who really care about you and push you and encourage you and hear your thoughts and your ideas and don't turn them down no matter how crazy or bizarre they might be um, I think that's so important. And there are people out there that 
I don't know, like a, a perspective that I could bring is that like, I care about people even that like have gone and passed in my life, life. Like they used to be my friends, but we've kind of outgrown or like not outgrown. Um, I don't know, but gone on different paths. Yeah. Yeah. And so we don't like talk as much, but if they reached out and needed support, I would 100% be there. So I think what I'm trying to say is there's people that care and there's people that are ready to support you. Um, and yeah. And then with the other thing you were saying, like you get one life, like our, my slogan that I made for disability recreation is your life is now kind of just like the idea that, you know, mindfulness, like exactly what is happening at this exact moment. This is it. This is life and you are experiencing it. So I, it's on my website. I encourage you kind of to like stop preparing so much, which I can be a hypocrite because I tend to be like, what do I need to do? Like, what's the future? Like, where, what are my next steps? I like to, I'm that way, but I have to cut myself off and say, look where I am. Like, look what's happening right now. Um, like, where am I right now in comparison to a few years ago? Um, maybe even if you're in maybe a worse place, like what, then it's kind of just like, what do I have right now that um, is good? What are the good things in my life? Like, your life is now just, um, Go out and do something for yourself today. Take care of yourself. Or even if that's not going out, even if it's sitting at home and taking a bath or watching your favorite show, like that's, that's what matters. Yeah. So. I, I approve of all of that. <laughs> I think living in the now is so important. And I too, like I get caught up in thinking about the future and like um, three months from now, what am I doing? And it's like, no, you know what? What's happening now? Focus yeah. on like, as you said, like, if you're having a bad day, reflect on like, what's going on, maybe there's something that like, happened overnight, or, you know, maybe you woke up not feeling great. Okay, reflect on it. How can you move forward? What's going on? And I think just living in the now is important. Yeah. Agreed. Love <laughs> awesome. it. Well, Megan, yeah. this was incredible. I'm hopefully coming to Colorado in February or over the summer. So I might just reach out to you because I would love to meet you. But yes. this is amazing. And I will put everything in the show notes so that people will go to it and see oh, more. Great. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Thank you so much. I mean, I'm grateful that you asked to even talk to me. And then after talking to, with you, I had a great time this morning. So thanks so much. Of course. Well, enjoy your day and I'll hopefully talk to you soon. All right. You too. Let me know if you're in Colorado. I will. <laughs> All, right. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG.